Well, so good to see each and every one of you this morning. Um, today we have the joy and the honor of hearing the word preached uh, from one of my friends. His name's Kurt Robinson. And if you've been here for any amount of time, you've heard him preach in the past. Um, and unfortunately, this is one, probably one of the last times we'll get to hear him preach. He's moving to Moscow, Idaho soon. And so we are, are really excited to have him come and preach for us today. Um, he comes from Cambrian Park Baptist Church over the hill in San Jose. And uh, faithful, faithful church, faithful pastor there um, that we have a good relationship with. And so we are, are really excited to have Kurt come and preach the book of Acts, chapter 3, verses 1 through 10 this morning. So I'm going to pray for him, and then he's going to come share the word with us. Um, God, we thank you so much for your word and just that we can come and hear it preached this morning. God, we know that your word does not return void, but it accomplishes that for which you sent it. So God, we ask that you uh, would work in our hearts this morning through your word. Would you give us eyes to see and ears to hear your truth? And, uh, would you give us the boldness, and just the obedience to apply your truth uh, in our everyday lives? God, would you uh, empower Kurt now as he comes? And, or would you um, just in encourage us and equip us this morning? In Jesus' name, amen. Good morning, brothers and sisters. It's a pleasure to be with you as always. It's my third time uh, at this church, but the first time behind this pulpit. I praise God for the growth here and the people that God has brought here this morning. Um, this has been a strange time and a strange year for many of us, but as we can see, God is doing a lot as well. Um, he's causing a lot of the darkness and light to be exposed, and he's also questioning and really challenging a lot of people who are living nominal Christianity to say, what do I really believe and where do I really want to worship? And so I'm grateful that each one of you chose to come here this morning to worship at Santa Cruz Baptist. As Drew said, I'm from over the hill at Cambrian Park Baptist. Um, and what he didn't tell you is that we're both Okies as well. I come from Tulsa, Oklahoma, and, he, and Drew is more from Oklahoma City area. Um, but don't worry, you're not going to be getting a Southern Gospel preacher this morning. Um, I think I've assimilated the California culture enough. So uh, let's read the word, read the passage this morning in Acts chapter three, verses one through ten. Pray and get into the passage together. Now, as Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour, and a man lame from birth was being carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple that is called the Beautiful Gate, to ask alms of those entering the temple. Seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple. He asked to receive alms, and Peter directed his gaze at him, as did John, and said, look at us, and he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I have no silver and gold, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and raised him up, and immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. And leaping up, he stood and began to walk and entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God and recognized him as the one who sat at the beautiful gate of the temple, asking for alms. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Let's pray. 
Lord, we do ask that you would send your Holy Spirit right now to illuminate this text. Show each one of us how we are spiritually lame on our own, and we all need to be resurrected in Christ. We all need to be given new life, and in Christ, we all have so many reasons to leap for joy. I pray that you would fill this, pre- this church with your presence this morning, and may we be a people that are marked by leaping because we have been given such a great salvation. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, good morning. I chose this text because this has been a, a year that many people are not leaping. It has been a, a year that many people, Christian or not, seem to be lame, seem to be impotent, seem to feel stuck, whether in their faith or in their station in life. If you read the news, you can see there's many discouraging things happening, whether it's government restrictions or whether it's war overseas. And many people feel powerless. This is not the, the way that we had planned it. And so what am I to do? What are, where am I to go in my faith? Or what is God doing in my family and in my local community? Well, this passage reminds us that wherever, whatever station you're in, wherever you're at in life, you have ample reason to leap and be, can, can be used of God to bring great praise to him and to stir up others in the faith as well. So amidst the heaviness and trials that we've seen this last year, we might have our own trials or external pressure. We're reminded in this passage that the good news of the gospel should cause each one of us to leap in our hearts and maybe in our bodies too. While this healing event, as you read through Acts, might seem like a flyover event. You might say, okay, Kurt, this is just like a lot of Jesus' healing miracles. What's going on in this passage? Well, this is not just a simple healing, but this passage is actually the first miracle that took place in the name of Jesus after Pentecost. If you haven't read the book of Acts in a while to catch you up to speed, Jesus ascends in chapter 1 and gives them the program for the whole book. That he will send his apostles to Jerusalem, to Judea, to Samaria, and then where? To the end of the earth, including Santa Cruz. So he will send his apostles out, and the word of God will permeate throughout the whole globe. And so Jesus ascends to the right hand of the Father, and the, the Spirit at Pentecost descends upon his church, which we are still that church today, filled with the Holy Spirit. And here, in this passage, the first miracle done in the name of Jesus, where his presence is there, but it is there in the Spirit. And so the title of this sermon, Lame to Leaping, isn't just about one single beggar 2,000 years ago, but it is also God's expectation for each one of us in the post-apostolic church who believe in that same name and are filled with the same Holy Spirit today. The same expectation is with us as well, that we too can do miraculous things in the name of Jesus, and he can do amazing things in us as well. Look with me at verse 1. Now Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour, and a man lame from birth was being carried, whom they laid at the edge of the gate of the temple, which is called the beautiful gate, to ask for alms of those entering the temple. Seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked to receive alms. So Luke recounts here at the ninth hour, that would have been 3 p.m. our time. There was two times a day that they would have come to the temple to, to give alms and to give praise to God corporately. And this is in a kind of a strange point. Jesus, you remember, died uh, around A.D. 30. And in A.D. 70 is when the temple was destroyed by the Romans, no more. And so for this 40-year period, we sort of have a baton exchange where the true believers in Christ, many of whom were still Jewish, would still go to the temple to worship the one true living God, Yahweh. 
And yet local churches were just starting out, but they had not taken root yet. And so we have this weird 40-year period where true believers, James and John here, would still go to the temple to worship God. And so in this time, they were to come up, and what was the common practice is that those who were spiritually lame or unclean, they would sit at the outside the temple, and they would ask for alms, which is like our, our uh, benevolence or our giving to them. Now, why was he sitting outside the gate? Why was he not allowed in the temple? It was because of a restriction in Leviticus 21.18. But this wasn't God's restriction. This was the Pharisees' restriction that they put in place to be even more holy than God in their own eyes. They took Leviticus 21, which says that no one who has a blemish shall draw near a man blind or lame or who has a uh, mutilated face or a limb too long. So they took this verse which was only meant for the Aaronic priestly class. It was only priests who were given this restriction. And they extended it to all the people. And they said, if you are lame, if your legs don't work, then we do not want you to bring your mess into God's presence and contaminate the whole situation. We want our worship to be pure and undefiled, and we cannot have your physical infirmities in our presence. So they, Pharisees, thinking that they are even more holy or religious than God himself, had enforced this rule. And so this man, as you can imagine, sitting outside the presence of God, outside the corporate gathering, his whole life from, for 40 years, from birth until now, had not been able to engage in not only just a, a one-hour worship service, but the gathering at the temple was the epicenter of social, cultural, and economic life as well. And so this man was truly an outcast. He, would, he felt like an outsider, and he was an outsider. Can you imagine this man's plight, likely frustrated, defeated, and resigned to a life of begging for food and money because he couldn't work himself? We are like this man. I think what's startling for us is that we might read past this and say, oh man, oh, oh woe is he, poor, poor guy. It, I'm very thankful that Jesus healed him, but... You know, many of us haven't been in this situation where we feel physically lame. Um, Sometimes, obviously, people are in crutches or wheelchair, and maybe you've got a sports injury or something, and you've been lame for a while. Actually, all of us are born lame in some sense when we're infants, and we can't carry ourselves to church or anything like that, but we don't remember that time. But we say, well, how do I relate to this man? How is he like me? How is he an image or a picture of me? Well, the reality, saints, is that all of us are born spiritually lame. Because of Adam's unfaithfulness, because of his rebellion against God and prematurely taking the fruit of the tree, he sunk humanity into sin. You know the story, don't you? And from Adam and Eve, all of their progeny have inherited their sin and are born into that same original sin as well. And so from birth, all of us are unable to enter into the presence of God. We are outcasts, we are outsiders, and this is certainly inherited from Adam, his guilt and his sin given to us, but this is our own decision as well. All of us, as Ephesians 2 said, followed after the course of this world, the prince of the power of the air, following after our passions and desires and lusts. So we ourselves, in our sin, are like this man, spiritually lame, so not able to enter into the the true presence of God, but also powerless unable to change ourselves. I don't know of many of your, your testimonies, but have you ever tried to change yourself or, or work really hard to, to change your life or behavior apart from Christ? 
How well does it work? You might white-knuckle it for a week or a month and might put into place these, these habits or these systems, and yet ultimately you default to your old ways. So that is us. This man is, is a picture of us apart from Christ. And what happens? Look with me at verse 4. And Peter directed his gaze at him, as did John, and said, Look at us. And he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I have no silver and gold, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and raised him up. And immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. Unlike most temple attendees who might flip a coin in the lame man's direction, Peter and John, filled with the Holy Spirit, did something a little different. They directed their gaze right at him. And they commanded him, look at us. He was expecting alms, but much to his surprise, Peter tells us that something far more important than money was given to him in that moment. As they looked into the presence of Peter and John, they didn't just see Peter and John, but they saw those filled with the Holy Spirit representing Jesus Christ on earth themselves. And so looking into their eyes, they were effectively looking into the eyes of Christ. And in doing so, immediately he was healed. All of his physical infirmities are gone, and we know later from this passage that he was spiritually forgiven as well made completely clean, reinstated back into social life, and able to enter into the temple to worship God, the thing that he'd been longing to do his whole life. Now this, saints, was not only a life-changing moment for this one lame man in particular, but this was a world-changing moment, demonstrating the power of Jesus' name in his spirit-empowered people. Now, I'm not saying that you're an apostle, I'm not saying that you should go around to the homeless encampment down the street and start looking at homeless people in the eyes and telling them to rise and walk. I'm not saying that. The the apostles certainly had a unique and special power during that era of salvation history. So we're not making a one-for-one correlation here, but what I am saying is that the same Holy Spirit that empowered them empowers you too. The same spiritual power that raised this lame man and made him well, that caused his feet to spring for joy, That spirit is with us in this building this morning. He is in your heart, and you have every reason to leap for joy, too. We were all like this man, looking for silver and gold, looking for material solutions to our our problems, thinking that if I got a little bit more money, if I got that promotion at work, if only those people in my family or my friend group weren't mad at me, or if, if only my problems were gone, I would be at peace, I would be well. Looking at at. For, for salvation in material solutions. And instead, we are brought something much better. We are brought Christ. The Christ who we sung about, the Christ who we will recognize and remember in communion after the service. This is the Christ who walks amongst his people this morning, and the Christ that comes to you and says that you, wherever you're at in life, whatever station you're in, whatever difficulties you might have, whatever powerless you might, powerlessness you might feel, However restrictive your government might be, however depressing the news might be, I come to you this morning and I say, rise and walk. You are mine. The God that defeated the grave, the God that had looked at death in the face and thought it to be no big deal, he looks at you and he gives you that same power. 
we enslaved to our sin are now freed if we trust in Jesus Christ. Especially this last year, it's been very tempting to allow COVID to steal our joy. But like this man, we don't have to look to presidential elections. We don't have to look to government officials. But we can look to Christ. And why is Christ different than these solutions? Why, what does he offer that material things don't? Well, Christ, being the God of the universe, being the, the one who holds the atoms in your body together right now, Christ, being God of God, who, who became a man, he lived a righteous life, the one who was always in the presence of God, always at one with his Father, and yet he voluntarily chose to become lame. You might remember that the cross was put upon his shoulder, and he had to carry it himself, stumbling around and eventually nailed to it, effectively, voluntarily becoming lame himself. When he was on the cross, even though he was God in the flesh, all-powerful, he had the ability to get down from that cross immediately. He voluntarily hung there, his feet immobilized, saying, I will become lame so that my people can become powerful. I will become voluntarily lame and powerless so that my people don't have to stay there, don't have to stay stuck, feeling outside, feeling ostracized, feeling unable to enter into the presence of God. He knows where you're at, saints. He knows your situation, and he's gazing into each one of your souls right now, too. He is here with us today, and he, he knows exactly what you're going through, even more than you do. And he looks at you, and he says, Rise and walk, Santa Cruz Baptist Church. Rise and walk, friends. And through repenting of, of both our, our self-pity, oftentimes we, we think we are powerless when we're not. We think, oh, if, if only if I had more freedom to exercise my faith, if only, if only uh, it was easier to be a Christian in Santa Cruz, if only I had a little bit more money, then I could do more for the gospel. We, we always put these hindrances upon ourselves. If we were turn away from that, if we repent of that, and we also repent of our pride as well, thinking that we can walk on our own, thinking that we can change ourselves. If we repent of these things, brothers and sisters, and we turn to Jesus, then he will walk with us. He will be with us, and he will enable us to walk through the most difficult circumstances in life. Jesus entered into the presence of God, had sin, all of your sin, put upon his shoulders so that we could be brought into the presence of God. And not merely put inside the temple, but we ourselves can now be the temple of God, the place where the Holy Spirit resides. So what's ironic about this is that the man, his whole life, wanted to walk into the presence of God. And yet before he even got to enter into the physical temple, he himself became a temple. Isn't that amazing? That God flips the script on the whole situation and says, you think you want inside these doors, inside the beautiful gate? Well, I will make you beautiful where you're at. So there's none of us right here now that are too lowly, that are too young, that are too powerless, that cannot also be beautiful and powerful in Christ as well. And able to overcome whatever difficulties there are at work. Whatever difficult situations there are in our relationships, we can speak up. We can have the boldness and the joy to be able to enter into situations and represent Christ there powerfully and effectively.
Psalm 1611 says, In your presence there is fullness of joy, and at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Are you a lame outsider, or do you consider yourself a healed insider with the God of the universe? Because if you are a healed insider, if you know that you've been healed and you've been forgiven, then it doesn't matter what anyone else thinks of you. It doesn't matter whatever other hardships there might be in life. It doesn't matter whatever restrictions man tries to put on you. If the God of the universe calls you by your name and says, you are a healed insider, you are good with me, and wherever you go, you don't have to wait for Sunday. Yes, it is a special gathering here. But you don't have to wait for Sunday or enter some geographic location to worship. Mothers, you worship when you're doing the dishes and changing diapers. Men, you, do, you worship God when you're at work and you're, you're doing your taxes. Students, you worship whenever you honor your father and mother and do your school. Unlike the prosperity TV evangelists, that look at this layman's healing and says, you know, see, God wants to take away all your physical hardships. He wants to make you well. And if you just believe enough, all your hard things in life will go away. No. You think hard things went away from this layman? No, his problems just began. I won't give you the whole context, but if you read ahead in Acts 4, things get pretty heated in the temple. He gets accused of fraternizing with the apostles and claiming the name of Jesus, who they didn't think was God. And things got a lot more difficult for this man, even though he could physically walk. And so the type of gospel that we preach and we believe and we walk in the fullness of is a gospel that says, I'm not going to take you out of your physical hardships and circumstances, but I'm going to put you through them. I'm going to walk you through those hard things. And with Christ by your side, you will be able to overcome them and glorify God even more because of the hard things in your life. We can certainly recount countless times God has physically healed people. I'm sure you've been sick with something in your life and you prayed, and God has healed you. God has done many miraculous things. I'm sure this room could be filled with testimonies of God miraculously healing, and he still does. But we can also recount times when we prayed and someone wasn't immediately healed. And so what this passage is teaching us is not to look to God for immediate apostolic healing. That was for a certain time and place. But we are in the, in the spirit, in the presence of God, able to be completely well, completely whole, brought fully inside the presence of God so that we can leap for joy and remind others that the most important thing in life is to be right before God, to be justified to be counted clean, to be made whole, and to be right in the presence of God. Now that we recognize that we were spiritually lame like this beggar, that Christ is the only one, it's only in his name that we can be made whole and brought in. Now, what are the practical implications for ourselves? What impact should this have on your life and how you live amongst others. Look with me at verses 8 through 10. And leaping up, he stood and began to walk and entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God and recognized him as the one who sat at the beautiful gate of the temple asking for alms. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him.
the first and most vital impact of the healing this man had was that he was able to be brought into the temple, brought amongst God's people. So when you are healed, the first and most significant impact is that you get to join not only the spiritual, you know, don't, not only do you have spiritual unity with Christ himself, but you get to enter in and be with God's people too. Through baptism, you enter into the church, you enter into membership, and you get surrounded by the people of God who represent Christ on earth now. It's so significant, saints, that when we are healed and made whole, we are brought into the presence of a church. Here at Santa Cruz Baptist, you are given a new identity. You are no longer a lame beggar. But you are a sinner, yes, but made a saint. And you are renewed and revitalized. Yes, through your private Bible reading and prayer, but publicly through the nourishment of, of, of the word of God here preached from the pulpit, but also through the fellowship of the saints as well. Like I mentioned, the temple was not only a religious place that they would go like church, but it was the epicenter of social and economic life. As many of our as much of our culture is breaking down and, and as there's a lot of distrust in, in governmental structures and big overarching systems. It's so important that we know who our brothers and sisters are locally. That we have those we can count on in church and with our families, with our friends. When things get hard and when, when California isn't going the way we want it to, we need to be part of an arc of sorts. A, a part of people who can encourage us on a daily basis and support us and be those people who can help, up, help us economically if we lose a job. I know, uh, hearing from Drew, that the, the amazing impact this church has had on all those displaced by the fires, the impact you guys have through your Christmas tree ministry, doing that sort of thing, not only for the community, but for one another, but also the social impact this would have had for the man. Yes, he would have been carried to, to the temple by friends and family, but his whole life he would have felt like an outsider. Raise your hand if you've ever part of, been part of a school, team, group, or project where you felt like you were an outsider. I think you, we all have at some point or one point in our life or another. Just a natural human sociology is that cliques form, you know who the upper echelon are, and the temptation is to always feel like you are left out, that you, you're not fully in. Well, the good news here for this man is that he was fully in with Yahweh, with the God of the universe, and being part of the community, he was able to be part with his brothers and sisters in Christ as well to worship, and you can too. Saints, we must avail ourselves to every opportunity to grow in unity and bond, in, in our bond of love with one another in the church. Life will not get easier. It did not get easier for this man. Trials only increased, and life might not get easier for any of us in the next 10, 20, 30 years. But as the pressure increases, as the darkness darkens, we have an opportunity to form an, either an even tighter bond with those in our local church. To love and be loved. And to trust and to lean on one another so that we can be a collective light in the darkness. That is certainly my prayer for Santa Cruz Baptist in Aptos. Now the word leap here is something that you might be saying, well, this must be figurative, Kurt. This must be figurative that... Are we really expected to leap for joy if we've been saved, if we've been brought in, if, if, if we've been given this great salvation? Yes. My five-year-old, Evangeline, she, she leaps whenever I tell her there's dessert. 
Um, and, and many of you, if you have kids as well, it doesn't, it doesn't take much to cause them to leap for joy or to leap out of excitement. And when we grow up and get older, we get all serious and we take ourselves so seriously that we don't actually leap for much anymore, do we? But this man leaped for joy, and that must be the disposition of your heart, too. It's so easy to be inundated with bad news or to be discouraged or despondent as a Christian. And God knows that we are prone to discouragement, and so he gives us passages, passages like this to remind us that the resting posture of your heart and of your spiritual life should be one that, yes, you lament. Yes, you go through hard things. Yes, you lose loved ones. And yet you can leap. You can have so much joy that you don't just crack a smile, but that you sing aloud and you praise God and maybe you even jump off the ground once in a while. And you thank him for what he's done. What's amazing, though, about this word leap is that it's used so rarely, only three times in the New Testament. And so Luke, the author of Acts, is actually dropping us a little breadcrumb here that this is not just the physical thing that happened to this guy. He's not just testing out his newfound um, hops. But it's also a fulfillment of Isaiah 35, verses 5 through 6. Listen. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened and the ears of the deaf, deaf unstopped. Then shall lame ma- the lame man leap like a deer and the tongue of the mute sing for joy. For waters break forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. Isaiah is promising this future era, written hundreds of years before Acts, that God's people would return from exile and they would leap for joy because the full presence of God would be with them. Saints, this passage in Acts 3 is the fulfillment of Isaiah 35. This man leaping for joy, this word leap is so rare that it is saying, yes, this is the fulfillment of Isaiah, this miraculous event reminds us that God is in new dealings with his people. That the worship of Yahweh is no longer a come and see religion where you have to make a pilgrimage to Jerusalem, but it is now a go and tell religion. It is now a religion that reminds us that we have been, we ourselves are the temple of God. That we cannot hide or run from the presence of God because we have been forgiven in Christ and dwelt with the Holy Spirit. And our leaping And our countenance and our joy should be so overflowing that it not only stirs those up within the church, but those outside as well. This man's healing is anything but just a flyover passage. Just another reminder that Jesus can heal whether he's present or whether he's present in name only. But it indicates that the floodgates have opened up and the presence of God would now go viral around the world, even extending to Santa Cruz today. It's easy for us to take for granted the great salvation we've been given. Many of you don't ever not remember a time that you were granted full access to the presence of God. Even though your conversion may not be as dramatic or as miraculous as this scene, it is. It is. That your dead heart, your prideful disposition has been removed and you've been given a new heart in Christ and you've been given a power to overcome whatever it is, whatever you're going through. Whether it's secret sins that, that hide in the dark or whether it's public sins that everyone can see. Whether it's having uh, a short fuse and having being impatient with your children 
or whether it's not loving those who, who are not like you in your city. Whatever our sins might be, those can be overcome in Christ. As we are given his heart, we are reminded that we can leap wherever we go and bring the presence of God to those who are in need. I want you to think about what's ever burdening you in Christ right now. What's ever burdening you. And I want to see, imagine yourself placing that burden upon Christ. Seeing Christ go to the cross, become lame on every half. Him taking away your powerlessness. And reminding you that he is with you. He is walking with that through you. And in him, that weight is gone. Yes, you will still have to make hard decisions. You'll still have to confront people. You'll still have to be met with bad news in this life. And yet the good news of the gospel is what ultimately defines you. That what really makes you you isn't your job, isn't your relationship with others, but it is ultimately your relationship with Christ. The glorious news about our spiritual healing is that he strengthens us to not be an ashamed outsider, but be a healed insider. Verse 10, to close us out. And they recognized him as the one who sat at the beautiful gate of the temple asking for alms. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Forty years this man sat outside. Forty years. And finally this miracle happened. In God's perfect timing, he healed this man completely and he saved him. I hazard a guess that you have relatives, you have neighbors, who have yet to come to Christ. Maybe you've been praying for them four months, maybe 40 months, maybe for 40 years you have uncles, aunts, neighbors who haven't yet come to Christ. But God's timing is perfect, and he wanted this man to be healed right then and there. So be encouraged by this passage that you're leaping because you've been saved, because you've been brought out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. You've been given new spiritual ability to have the fruit of the spirit, to have love, joy, peace, and patience in the midst of a, a, a dark government and in a world around us that seems to be crumbling. Because you are able to leap, right now I imagine that you have coworkers, that you have people that are like this lame man who are just sitting spiritually powerless looking to these false solutions. And who knows, maybe Monday morning, you coming leaping into the office, maybe at your next family dinner, you coming leaping to the dinner table, telling about the glorious work of Christ in your life, is the same floodgate that he wants to open for them. Don't be surprised. Don't be surprised if God uses this present darkness to bring about more light to walk with you through the darkness and to cause you to leap for joy even when it becomes it seems more absurd to be a happy joyful person our lives can be so marked by the healing presence of christ that those who look upon santa cruz baptist church want to be part of this community they want they, there's a warmth of holiness here the holy fire of god is a yes it is terrifying and people who who hate god's law and want to live for themselves will be repulsed by it and yet there's others whom God is drawing to himself this morning, this week, who that fire, that same fire, will be a warmth and a joy, and it'll be a hearth that they want to come and join you 
with. That is my prayer, certainly, for this church. So let's not give into the heaviness and despair that surrounds us, but let's be greatly encouraged by this lame man's healing. You, church, have been healed, commissioned, and filled with the same Spirit to continue on the work that we see in Acts. Yes, the gospel went to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and now it's going to the end of the earth. Here in Santa Cruz, it sounds like in the Middle East with missionaries and beyond. See the amazing and important role that you have to play in your life to represent the healing power of Christ. Let's pray.